Welcome to the London Horror Movie Club, a monthly film club where I share the brilliant, bizarre, and beloved of London's horror films. I'm Lauren Barnett. Hey everyone, it's July, and that means we're moving into a new century, it's the 2000s, and we're going to be watching the 2003 film, The Last Horror Movie. You can find this film on Amazon Prime, it's a little harder to find elsewhere, but you could also get the DVD, and in this particular case, it actually makes the movie a little bit extra special, but you might want to wait and see if you actually like the film first. Um, anyway, the last horror movie is essentially an experience where your video rental has been taken over by a serial killer who's filming his murderous streak throughout London. But why is he revealing all this to you in your movie? Now, the idea behind it is really that you rented the movie, and this is a big part of why I picked this film, because it's very much of its time. The 2000s were a great decade for London set horror films, even if they weren't made by British companies. You get huge blockbusters in this decade, like 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later, Shaun of the Dead, that's more British, but on the American side you get From Hell, The Mummy Returns, Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, Reign of Fire, and you also get great smaller indie horror films like Tony, which is 2009, The Deaths of Ian Stone, London Voodoo, Mind Flesh, and you get this film, this amazing The Last Horror Movie. And this is really... It was hard to choose which film, honestly, to go with. But this was a film I chose because it spoke to me as someone of that era. This was the time when I was falling in love with horror movies, nine, late 90s, early 2000s. And this is so evocative of that time, of what horror movies were like at that time. And it's really a tie-in with... with British culture at that time. And the reason is it's really designed for video. It, it speaks immediately to video rental horrors. I am somebody who rented my videos. I went down to Blockbuster and I rented the horror movies that I saw. And that's really who the audience is, is for this. It, obviously, it appeals to everyone as a wider horror movie, but it's designed because you you put this film in the VHS <laughs> VCR back in the day, and a very traditional, what you'd expect to see from a rental horror movie shows up, you know, cheap, cheap blood and pastel colors and low res, and then it stops, and someone has recorded over your video. I don't know if anyone's had that experience of watching old home movies that have been recorded over. Maybe I'm just really old now and no one does that, um, but it, it's that. Somebody disrupts what's going on, and all of a sudden, you're watching a different film, it's a guy who rented this film, and he he sort of starts off by saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to take you on an actual horror experience. You like this kind of fake stuff, but what about something real? And that's what the rest of the film is. And it's, it's very much of its time because of the video rental, but then it's also very much of its time because of that format. It's that found footage format. This is only coming out a year after Blair Witch. Everyone loves shaky cam. Everyone loves this found footage idea. Hasn't gotten old yet. It hasn't gotten stale yet. And yet he's doing something kind of new with it. He's taking a, a film and recording over a horror film. And so he's playing with what it is you like about a horror film. Okay, you're sitting there, I'm sitting there watching, you know, waitresses getting bloodied and bashed in. But what if it was real? Where is that line for you? How comfortable are you watching this from the safety of your home? Nothing bad's going to happen to you while you're watching it, but this is real now. And it, it, it plays with that found footage in that interesting way. It makes a point about being a video. 
all of this is to say that it was it this is a big part of why I picked this film. It feels of its time. It did something kind of new with the found footage thing very early on and when this was a big deal. And if you're someone of this era, you'll love the nostalgia of it. It just feels of that time, even more so if you're British because you let you see the background, the signs and the the alleyways and it's it's a little less polished than things are today and it, it it's just yeah, it's of that moment I I came to Britain in in the 2000s and it's it feels very real. So, all of that aside, why, does, why is it worth a good horror movie? If you are not somebody who goes for any of this nostalgia, if you are going to sit there and stream it on your TV and say, well, this does nothing for me because I didn't rent it, I'm not getting that sort of jolty experience. There is actually a lot still here to like. First of all, there's the narrator. The narrator is, I don't want to sort of ruin anything about the arc of this, but it's really following a guy and, and the things he does, and, and it relates to sort of his idea of life and death and why he's murdering, but it also relates to what it is you're experiencing in a horror movie, What why does it matter? And he's very charismatic, he's very appealing, he's very, he's immediately and from the very start an unpredictable narrator. Yes, he's broken into your film and that's unpredictable, but throughout he remains an unpredictable narrator. You know you're in the wrong hands, and he plays up to that in a really hammy, almost fun way in a, in a fun way not funny like it's it it resonates very creepily to the viewer but he's having fun with it and there's something very sinister about that throughout the entire experience and he's having fun with you as the viewer and so if you're someone who loves horror movies if you're someone who like me can watch them all the time whenever he's kind of in your head and he's messing with you and he he kind of knows you and there's something very creepy about a stranger this isn't a particularly well-known or well-recognized actor. So it's 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 like a guy, a normal guy who's in your house, in your space, and in your movie, and it's it's weird and it's 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 appealing in a really creepy way. I don't I don't want you to go into this thinking it's like a Shaun of the Dead uh, amusement sort of fun ride. It's fun in a very different, very, very unsettling way. The first time I watched it, there were just moments where you, you sort of, you're not sure if you want to keep watching. And in, in, in not in a, a gross over bloody way, but just you, you start to feel genuinely uncomfortable in your own skin. And I think that's one of the great things about the found footage, if you can get it right, is that it does feel real. And so you become unsettled in a real way, as opposed to that I'm safe in a movie theater kind of way. Um, and in a way, this is why it's great to watch this film at home. It's really designed for that. Um, and then, of course, you also get good classic horror stuff. You you are going to watch a serial killer kill a whole bunch of people, and it's not pleasant, and it's not fun. But but it's it's it is that in a horror movie way so it's if it's your thing which hopefully if you're listening to this it is it's really well done it isn't that sort of crazy over the top 70s you know blood spattery everywhere kind of thing it's a lot closer to that that other films of this era like saw where it's it's harrowing kind of stuff and it's it's not as graphic as something like saw but it, it has those graphic moments for people who like that kind of horror movie it's very psychologically based. Um, there's, there's my favorite moment is when he's, you, you have his random sort of intercut videos, so you don't necessarily have a, a narrative happening between it. Earlier on, you see a person and you realize that they're friends. They, he actually knows this particular person. And later you think she's going to become a victim. And most of the victims up to this point had been seemingly anonymous. And he's, 
oh, I don't, I don't want to give anything away. I'm going to give this away. I apologize. I apologize. But it's really worth knowing. She then, she then isn't a victim. He's, he's screwing with you, but she doesn't understand. She understands what's happening in a different way than you do. She, she thinks they're playing around because she's an actress and they're recreating the scene. And you know, he's messing with you because you have actually seen him kill someone. And it's great moments like that where you're, you're unsettled and you're shocked and you don't know what's going to happen. And it gives you this great sort of release and catharsis. And these moments are really fun. And he plays with you as the viewer. He plays with what a camera can do. There are other scenes where you're, you're watching him watch a movie. It's all sorts of, uh, what am I always talking about? I'm always talking about layers of horror. I'm sure you're sick of me saying that, but it's interesting. It's cool because there's lots of different ways you can be scared and there's lots of different ways that you can be creeped out and there's lots of things that are horrific. You don't have to be, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Buckets Blood, Screaming Women. You can be so many things and it's great. I obviously love horror movies when you get a lot of those different things going on because there's something for everyone, something somebody else can love. There's also, in terms of the horror movie, the psychological aspect, which is what I'm talking about. He's playing with you, but then you're also trying to figure this guy out. So on the one hand, he's playing with your psychology, and on the other hand, you're trying to figure out his. And that's something that I think is, is it's rare to find in a good horror film. You, you do get great horror films about serial killers, but it's rare when you're trying to figure the person out. Usually they give you a really straightforward reading of very often very simple, oversimplified, and Freudian. You get, you know, you get psycho mom complex or you get Silence of the Lambs. Actually, that one's better. Sorry, I apologize, Silence of the Lambs. There is an aspect of trying to figure out Hannibal Lecter to that film. But um, you, you tend to get oversimplified explanations of why people become serial killers. And I'm fascinated by the fact that serial killers are real people. That's, <laughs> that sounds obvious, but it's actually really interesting if you think about it because we always try to explain them away as though they're different from the rest of us. M- maybe it's because my brother's in prison for murder, um, but I, I, I appreciate how creepy it is that serial killers are just real people, that you don't just spot, aha, huge psychological problem there, he's dangerous. In this case, it's a he. Uh, you don't know. I mean, so, sometimes, obviously, you do. Um, sometimes you don't. And I really appreciate horror movies like that because it makes it, for me, I, I think for other audience members, seem more possible. The horrible things that are happening on screen suddenly become possible. And that is creepy. That can change the way you see the world because it's not just this enclosed fear. I mean, all horror movies hopefully speak to a real fear, but there's a safety in it, in the distance of it. There's a safety in the fact that it's a film, and sometimes there's a safety in how less you're willing to believe this is something that could happen to you. Exorcism movies fascinate me for this reason. I'm not Catholic, so so there's a big distance. And in this case, this this movie gets really close. It's why I think it really touched on a nerve with me and upset me is it gets really close to reality. These, it seems like a real person who would really do this. And that's upsetting. And that's something great. It's, it's cool to see in a horror movie when something touches a nerve rather than just shocks you or surprises you or is, is something you're hoping for in a horror movie. You know, you, you want that sort of great scene where something crazy happens or where something shocking happens. 
but you get over it. This one sits with you. And, and from the start, it's trying to invade your space. It's trying to sit with you in a real way. And I think it does a good job of it. I know it didn't end up getting, it, it won a few awards. It didn't end up getting a sort of long-term viewership, but I think it deserves it for that reason alone. And of course, this is also a London horror movie. And it does a good job of, of real London. Obviously, I've, I've started talking about the video aspect of this, and it really plays on the experience of the video nasties in Britain. There, there was absolutely a degree of this in America, but it didn't catch fire culturally in the same way. Here in Britain in the 80s, there was a uh, trial where a, a boy was, was basically using as a defense that he watched a lot of horror movies. And there was this real, sincere shockwave in culture of, of people feeling like videos were ruining society, horror films in particular. And the video nasties is what they were called. You can, you can look up the sort of history of it. It's in and of itself a really fascinating phenomenon. And I think in some ways not something we've totally let go of. But this was really pervasive at the time. This was this big concern culturally about... There was a series of films that are uh, what are called colloquially called hoodie horrors, fear of the sort of youths and asbos and and think Tony Blair trying to clean up the streets sort of situation, and it clashes with this this fear of sort of horror movies and how easy rentable easily rentable horror movies are to the youths, and so it, it's that atmosphere that this film comes out of and it really speaks to that that's not london specific it's very british but in in that way it's a really amazing british film because it captures a british moment in history really well and it, it's because it's living in it it's not trying it does comment upon it but it's not trying to comment upon it in the same way that something like the medusa touch which we watched a few months ago is trying to, it's not being openly political, it's just embracing the moment and what that moment brings up for people. And it makes it a great British film. And then of course it's set in London. And so you have real London. Um, I know in some of the films that we've watched, the last film we've watched is a really good example. We watched Bram Stoker's Dracula and a lot of that was Victorian London, it's the image we have of London with Jack the Ripper. It's a certain vision of London. And there are other films from this time, think 28 Days Later, where you're seeing landscape London. You, you see St. Paul's and the Thames and you see the skyline and it's, it's very recognizable to anyone. If you're watching this film and you don't know it's specifically set in London, it could not be set in London. So then why have I, in a London horror movie podcast, chosen a film that didn't have to be set in London? Because if you are from London, it feels like London. You know, he he's he has a scene where he's with his friends in the park, hanging out, having having a sort of pseudo picnic and a drink, and it's something that I, I think we've all done. You know, it's finally sunny out, so we go to the park with you know a handful of friends and. I, God, I used to do this all the time when I was in my twenties, and you just you sit around and 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 you talk, and you you have fun together, and you're just this very relaxed moment, this very sort of what you do when it's sunny in the city, you go to the park, and that's what you get here. And you get moments where he's he's walking down various streets in London, and they are, if you know London, they're recognizable streets, but they're not, they're not, I don't know, they're not Westminster, they're not the kind of thing everybody knows. And it just looks like London at the time. You see the signs, and you see the, the streets, and you see the you see the tiny apartments, actual real live people-sized apartments. And it's also not central London. It's a lot of the outskirts. It feels a lot more in that respect like other films of this time, like like Tony or, well, London Voodoo is obviously in Greenwich. But, but other sort of more indie films where you're seeing the edges of London, 
Cherry Tree Lane, I think that might be in the 2010s, but Cherry Tree Lane is another good example. It's the edges of London. It's a part of London. It's a very real part of London for the people that live in it, but it's not the classically filmed London. It's not the big, bright, everybody knows it London. And so you, you feel really akin to it. It's lived London. And then also it's a great London horror because it, it's, again, of its time. I, I just talked about how other films of the time are doing this kind of feel. You get Mind, Flash, and Tony. And they're reclaiming London from those big blockbuster films of the time. The indie movies are looking at neighborhoods and people. And, and, and even London voodoo, though it's obviously Greenwich, it's not the Royal College of Greenwich. I mean, you see your bike near the Cuddy Sark, but it's not, it's not everybody knows this aspect of Greenwich. It's the streets of Greenwich and it's the residences of Greenwich and it's it's the Thames at night and it's 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 not these indie movies like the last horror movie are are giving a London really that's in contrast with the other huge films of the time like 28 Days Later like Shaun of the Dead actually Shaun of the Dead does North London really doesn't it let's skip Shaun of the Dead let's add Shaun of the Dead to this side of things Shaun of the Dead is doing it too it's contrasting with 28 Days Later and From Hell and The Mummy Returns. These really big blockbustery Americans will recognize this part of London. It's giving you Londoners London. And I think that's such a cool thing at the time because everybody's, weirdly, everyone's eyes on London. This decade, London-based horror films just boom. And so you get what the Americans really, let's face it, are thinking of London, it, and even in From Hell, they're not actually even filming in London. Sweeney Todd's the same same thing. You're not filming in London, but you're recreating London. And then you have these interesting, cool, independent horror movies that are in London, but that you wouldn't recognize as London. There's something cool going on there. Someone out there, if you want to do a PhD on this, let me know. Let's find funding. That would be so cool. Um, anyway, it, it is a fun London horror film. It is a really, honestly, British horror film. And so I think it's something that's that's great to love culturally more broadly than just a London horror film. And it's a really, really creepy film. I've used that word a lot because I can't come up with a better one. It It's insidious. It gets into you. And it's the lead character really does a great job. He's essentially a one-man show. He's carrying this film. And yes, I believe that you have murdered people. Well done. Holy crap. <laughs> it, it feels that strongly. I haven't even, I only watched it yesterday to remind myself, but I still can like, I can conjure up his face in my head doing that. Shh. Sorry, he does. It, it, I'm, I'm talking about a scene you haven't seen yet. Go watch it. Get creeped out. If you are somebody whose stuff like this hits you in a really big way, I am I am someone who gets nightmares too. Watch it during the day. Watch something funny before you go to bed because it is really creepy. But if that's your bag, you'll love it. It's, it's such a cool film. Give it a try. Have fun. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy the film. This is Lauren Jane Barnett, and you are part of the London Horror Movie Club. Mm-hmm.